And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines in simple keywords with Adam joining us on the line. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena. Happy hump day. Happy hump day, indeed. We've made it to the halfway point. <laughs> just halfway more to go. <laughs> All right, let's jump into our keyword news portion of the day. We're going to try to clarify some of these headlines for you in simple keywords. So we're going to start out with our pandemic coverage. This is our first keyword of the day. New variants. So new Omicron subvariants have been detected in Korea, adding to concerns of whether the country's transition to normalcy will be under threat. What's the latest? Yes, there are certainly a uh, certain uh, cause for concern at the moment. Uh, Korea has uh, detected the first domestic cases of Omicron subvariants BA.4 and BA.5. These strains are spreading around the world, but they're mostly prevalent in South Africa. Now, an inbound traveler from South Africa actually tested positive for the BA.4 strain here in Korea. Um, an epidemiological investigation is underway for two cases of BA.5. One was a local case of an asymptomatic patient in Intan who tested positive on May 12th. The other BA.5 case was from a traveler from uh, Turkey. Now, health officials do say that the transmissibility of BA.4 and BA.5 is somewhat high, but the severity of symptoms are not really that much different from the original Omicron strain. Now, the European CDC, though, recently classified both strains as um, variants of concern. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll have to wait and see on what uh, further research tells us. And also, meanwhile, 13 additional cases of the BA.2.12.1 Omicron uh, subvariant have also been uh, found. That's bringing the total number of those cases here in Korea to 19. Um, two of the 13 new cases were locally spread as well, which is suggesting the possibility of a community transmission. Uh, that is of, of, uh, often a cause for concern, but of course we'll have to wait and see the developments on that. Mm. And Korea has also reported two new cases of a recombinant variant called Omicron XQ. A total of eight recombinant infections have been reported domestically, all of which are cases of Omicron XQ, XE or XM. Now, along with the new variants found, the decline in COVID-19 infections here in Korea is also slowing as well. Mm. Um, the KDCA said in a press release that weekly numbers have been on a decline since the third week of March, but the decline has slightly slowed down. So um, we'll have to wait and see if that is the case uh, going forward for the next couple of weeks mm. or months. Um, and it also added that the weekly average for new cases among the age groups between 10 to 19, as well as 20 to 29 increased from the previous week, and the figure is still high in the age group under 19. Now, the latest situation calls into question whether the seven-day mandatory quarantine for COVID-19 patients should be lifted. Um, that's something that health authorities are kind of mulling over at the moment. Mm -hmm. uh, the infectious disease classification of COVID-19, uh, it has been downgraded to class two. Um, excuse me, but the government allowed for a four-week transition period before implementing changes uh, including the lifting of those quarantines. Right. Now, that transition period is scheduled to end on uh, this Sunday, in fact. And so a final decision 
will be announced on Friday, so we have to wait a couple of days. More so than the outlook for these subvariants, it seems that the decline rate plateauing for the infection numbers might be a sort of an important element to consider going forward. What kind of changes will be implemented for quarantine measures? We'll have to wait and see. Friday is when the announcements will be unveiled. Uh, let's turn our attention to the pandemic situation in North Korea. This is our second keyword of the day. Still unresponsive. So the regime is still set to be unresponsive to South Korea's offer for both aid and dialogue. What's the latest? Yeah, so the Unification Ministry says the North has remained unresponsive for the second day now. And the ministry had sought to deliver a related fax message to the North on Monday through their liaison office. Um, It is seeking to hold working level consultations on the pandemic in the North. Uh, Now, Seoul has offered to provide Uh, Medical supplies as well, including vaccines and masks and uh, test kits as well. Um, A Unification Ministry official said the two Koreas held their routine phone call at 9am on Tuesday, but Pyongyang has not expressed its intention to accept the message yet. Now, the official added that North Korea is aware of the South's stance and that Seoul will wait for the North's response without putting pressure or pressuring or pressing uh, the regime. Mm. Um, And the official also said that if Seoul receives a response from Pyongyang, the ministry will take a practical and realistic approach to review various ways to hold the working level consultations, including possibly an online video conference. Mm. Um, Unification Minister Kwon Young-se has noted that providing the North with assistance through international agencies can also be an option as well. So far, it has rejected uh, such um, aid offers by international agencies, so we'll have to see. Uh, Meanwhile, though, uh, talking about this, North Korea is believed to have flown in emergency supplies from China. There's been several reports suggesting that it is seeking to get uh, Mm -hmm. help from its neighbour. Now, three large cargo uh, aircraft being up belonging to Air Korea, which is the North Korean state-run airline, reportedly arrived at an airport in Liaoning province and returned to North Korea the same afternoon. Mm. Now, the kind of cargo picked up has not yet been identified, uh, but in light of the North's COVID-19 crisis, watchers say there is a high probability that the supplies are meant to help the regime um, deal with the outbreak. It may be medical supplies or whatnot. Uh, another source that, that it is possible the planes may actually uh, take uh, multiple trips to China um, as well. And the arrival of North Korean aircraft in Shenyang in that province uh, marks actually the first time in over two years that flights have actually taken place between China uh, and North Korea. So it seems like North Korea is uh, leaning towards its ally and neighbor China and not really the South Korean uh, authorities or the Western world. All right, uh, let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Biden to Korea. So only a few days left until U.S. President Joe Biden visits South Korea. He's to arrive on Friday and the official summit on Saturday. Uh, What can we expect at this point in time? Right. Well, on the agenda uh, between Yoon Sang-gil and Biden will be North Korean provocations as well as economic security and strengthening the alliance. We've run over this uh, before in the segment, uh, and it is expected that the two countries will coordinate cooperation on issues uh, such as supply chains and emerging technologies with a focus on economic security. Now, the leaders are expected to have a um, focused discussion also on the North Korean nuclear issue and ways to cooperate on North Korea policy. Uh, Humanitarian aid uh, for North Korea is also likely to be on the agenda. Uh, The question of South Korea's official membership in the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, which 
the U.S. is organizing an attempt to counter China mm-hmm. could also come up uh, during the summit as well. Um, of course, Biden has always kind of shifted to, uh, uh, sorry, Yun Zhangyal has shifted more towards a kind of a, a stronger alliance with the U.S. Right. rather than kind of siding with China. So, uh, but we'll have to see on what the outcome of the summit is. Now, as for his itinerary, Biden may visit the demilitarized zone. Um, Yanap, citing sources, reports that Biden could visit the DMZ a day before his summit with Yoon. Nothing's been confirmed yet, though. Mm. Now, observers say the visit to the DMZ, if realized, could serve as a chance for Biden to get a better grasp of the reality of security on the Korean peninsula. Um, Other watchers also say that it could help ease concerns that the U.S. preoccupied with the Ukraine war at the moment has been kind of paying less attention uh, to the situation on the peninsula as well. Now, past U.S. presidents, they have visited the DMZ during their trips to South Korea. But of course, the most noticeable was when Donald Trump paid a visit there and also held a trilateral summit with uh, Moon Jae-in and Kim Jong-un. And it's also not the first time for Biden to visit uh, the DMZ um, either. The last time was in December 2013 when he was vice president uh, uh, during the Obama uh, administration. Uh, Also, uh, something else on the itinerary, Biden could also visit Camp Humphreys, which is a U.S. military base in Pyeongchang. That's usually often uh, a spot that U.S. presidents go to during their visits here. Mm. Um, And he's also reportedly scheduled to visit a Samsung chip factory, which Mm. is near the base. Now, representatives from the company will also reportedly be attending a business roundtable meeting hosted by uh, both the U.S. Department of Commerce and Korea's trade industry as well. Uh, industry, uh, ministry rather, not industry. Now, other companies invited to this roundtable, which is happening on uh, the sidelines of the summit on Saturday, reportedly include uh, like your um, conglomerates here in Korea, LG, SK, Hyundai, uh, Hanwha, as well as some online giants such as uh, uh, Naver as well. All right. Well, we'll leave it there for now. As for the itinerary, and we move on to the fourth keyword of the day. May 18th ceremony. So as we alluded to yesterday, a ceremony in Gwangju to remember the May 18th pro-democracy movement is being held today. It will be attended by members of both political parties and, of course, the president. It's it's seen in some ways uh, an olive branch to the region for the People Power Party. It certainly is. And uh, it is a quite a rare instance right. that conservative lawmakers and a conservative president is actually attending Uh, the ceremony as well. And Yoon is expected to be accompanied by some 100 uh, ruling party law, uh, uh, ruling people power party members, as well as his cabinet ministers and top presidential aides as well. Um, And it is seen as Yoon's intention to kind of emphasize his ongoing message of national unity. Mm. Uh, Gwangju is a kind of traditional stronghold of the Liberal Democratic Party. So yes, it is being seen as kind of an olive branch of trying to get in their good books. Mm. Now, the president was reported to have urged his aides, we mentioned this in uh, our yesterday segment, and as well as uh, PPP lawmakers to attend the event. Uh, They seem to respond positively to that uh, call. And almost all uh, PPP lawmakers are expected to attend uh, the event. Now, the PPP's decision to have its lawmakers visit the ceremony is kind of seemed as aimed at improving its image and also wooing centrist voters ahead of the June local elections as well. Whether it has some political motive, 
Um, only the PPP would know. But it's, uh, it's a political and, circle mm. and there's always political motive. It would be crazy for us right. to ignore that fact. But there could also yeah. be different agendas. To one there could one also be. job and maybe <laughs> two objectives. <laughs> <laughs> could be. But uh, of course, uh, they won't explicitly say that, of, of course. course uh, but uh, that is what some experts or uh, observers are saying. Um, and also, interestingly, PPP lawmakers, they plan to take a KTX high-speed train to Gwangju uh, and President Yoon plans to do the same um, <laughs> as well. And Yoon may also make an entrance through what is called the Door of Democracy with bereaved families of democratic fighters, or he may have uh, tea with them as well. So he's certainly making some efforts to try and get in the good books of the liberal side and uh, the Honam region um, as well, as we also saw with his uh, policy speech at the National Assembly, wearing that light blue tie, the colour right. of the DP. Right. Uh, it is an important day also to commemorate, so we'll be on the lookout for what happens at the ceremony itself. Right. Let's move on to our final keyword of the day. Ministers appointed. Now, this is a sticking point for the, both parties, I suppose. President Yoon has pushed through with appointments of a couple of controversial picks for cabinet ministers. What's the latest? Yeah, controversial indeed. Uh, Yoon appointed Justice Minister Han Dong-hun as well as the Gender Minister Kim Yeon-suk. Now, a formal appointment of the Health Minister nominee Chung Woo-young was not included in the announcement. That was something that was uh, expected. So that means that 16 out of 18 minister positions are now filled. The two remaining are Ministers of Health and Education, as well as the position for Prime Minister right. as well. So that's technically three. Now, Han Dong's appointment was largely opposed by the DP from the get-go. Now, the DP alleged that his daughter's extracurricular activities in high school may have been exaggerated to get into college. So again, another scandal uh, surrounding kind of uh, falsified or exaggerated academic records uh, coming into play here uh, for a justice minister nominee. Um, Han is actually a senior prosecutor and he's known for investigations into high profile cases, often alongside uh, Yoon when he was a uh, prosecutor general. Um, and he worked under Yoon on a probe of the corruption scandal that led to the impeachment of President Park Geun-hye, the former President Park Geun-hye. He also led investigations um, into corruption cases against former President Lee Myung-bak, and more recently, the Justice Minister, former Justice Minister Cho Guk and his family. So investigations on both sides of the aisle. Right. Um, now, the Seoul Central Prosecute, District Prosecutor's Office recently cleared hand of accusations of colluding with a TV reporter to attack pro-government figures uh, for corruption in 2020. So he's been embroiled in some scandal as well. Um, so that's why there is a bit of controversy surrounding mm -hmm. his uh, appointments. Now, in terms of the gender minister, Kim Yeon-suk's pick is kind of controversial in that the ministry itself may mm. actually soon be scrapped. Right. So um, they're, they're kind of wondering, what's the point? And uh, she's an actually uh, an economics professor at Sungshil University and also a former lawmaker as well. Mm. And she's actually expected to review the role of the ministry itself and, of course, ways to wind it down. And she kind of struggled to answer lawmakers' questions about the future of the ministry during the confirmation hearing. Mm. Um, and of course, another area of contention is the Prime Minister nominee Han Dok Su, which is also still awaiting parliamentary confirmation, mm. which uh, the president legally needs mm. in order to appoint the Prime Minister. It's the, kind of the only exception to the rule. Exactly, which means a bumpy road ahead for the approval for the Prime Minister's seat. Uh, we'll keep our eyes on it. Thank you very much, Adam, for today's coverage. We'll speak to you again tomorrow. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.